Are you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Glad to be with you again, folks. And I've got a guest with me in studio today. This is a man that I've known for a while and have known a little bit about his story and just recently learned a little bit more about it. And we'll get into what that story is. I want to introduce Mr. Blue Robinson. Say hello, Blue. Hello, everybody. Glad to have you here today. It's good to be here. Thank you. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. Mm -hmm. So, Blue, you and I have known each other for a couple of years now. Yeah. And just recently, we had an opportunity to take a little roadie. Yeah, it's always nice to have some alone time with Dr. Paul. (laughs) We took a little road trip to rescue some guys who were stranded after a car accident down Mm -hmm. in central Utah. And in the car, I had a chance to to just visit with you a little bit about your life and your history, some of your story. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been a listener of Live on Purpose Radio for a little while. In fact, your brother-in-law was on the show about a year ago, yeah, that's right. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that show, folks, was with Jerem Thurston, and he is an ultra-marathon runner, <laughs> if you remember that show. If you don't, just go type his name, Jerem Thurston, into the search bar at liveonpurposeradio.com. And you'll hear that enlightening conversation. And there was some Portuguese on that episode. That's right. Which was unprecedented at Live On Purpose <laughs> Radio. <a> first. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, Blue, tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we'll take it from there and see if we can get into your story a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you started off with uh, asking who you are, because that was one thing that uh, up until about a good... 10, 11 years ago, I didn't quite know yet either. So I've been learning quite a bit about who I am. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, right now I'm a, I'm a uh, substance abuse counselor and a primary therapist. I work at a boys treatment center uh, here in Orem, Utah. And uh, I find great joy and pleasure in helping these young men get back on, on track with life. And mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of funny because I never thought I'd be doing this as a line of work. For the mere fact, the first time I ever saw a therapist, I swore I'd never go back and see another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so now it's actually my career, so it's kind of a funny turn in tables there. <laughs> well, you know, as a youth, you don't fully appreciate, you don't quite have the same perspective that you have a little later on. That's true. Isn't that true? Absolutely. So, so you're working with young people, you're helping mm-hmm. them to overcome some fairly serious, fairly difficult circumstances that they have in their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Each one of them have their own story and, and the reasons why they're here. And uh, it's it's difficult what some of these young men go through. Um, mm-hmm. But there's always the light at the end of the tunnel. And when they can stick mm-hmm. it out and, I'm going to say, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, and take life on, they mm-hmm. come out the other side much more happy, much more functional, a member of their family. And for that, mm-hmm. they're they're forever grateful. But wait a minute. I know 
some of these stories. I've worked with these kids too, and some of them just come from very, very difficult circumstances. That's true. And their parents did not provide for them the kind of environment or the kind of upbringing and teaching that they would need to succeed in life. So they're probably doomed. It's probably <laughs> hopeless. That's what that's you can what, tell. I'm baiting you. You're baiting me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's that's tends that's that's what they think when they first come. You know, just as just as most people do is is their story and their history becomes kind of their their legacy and their saga. And uh, I found that many people will will take that history and, and turn that into a life of despair and frustration and re- regret. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. It just absolutely does not have to be that way, especially when you take into consideration that each day is a new day. Each opportunity to learn and grow, if seized upon, will make you a stronger person. Mm-hmm. So you've worked with these kids for a while. You've got some of your own background that mm-hmm. you're that you're able to draw on. Absolutely. To really help these guys to see a new way of living their life. Absolutely. So let's get into that just a little bit. Tell mm-hmm. us just a little bit about your background, however much you feel like you'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of an interesting story, and the thing is, is you never really realize that your story could be inspirational while you're living it. Um, at this point, I still don't think it is because it was so, it's so personal. Um, at first, it's almost embarrassing to talk about because you know the world tells you to keep your problems hidden and to not talk about what happens behind closed doors. Um, mm. And when I started kind of figuring things out, uh, I started realizing that uh, I guess every family has their own problems. Um, but my, my family is, is unique in a way. I was, uh, I was, I'm the fourth of, of four kids, actually, the youngest of four kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother was actually married at age 14. And uh, she at had a heart. 14? 14 years old. Yep. Oh, my heavens. Yeah, that's what most people say when they hear that. And uh-huh. uh, t- uh-huh. to me, it was normal because that's the story we that's grew what up you with. Had. Yeah, you know, sure. we, our mother's pretty young. And so, you know, uh-huh. um, we're not too, our age differences aren't all that far apart. It's kind of interesting. But she got married at 14 because her own life was a struggle. And uh, she had a hard time growing up with her father. Her father was very strict, um, um, very old fashioned. Rightly, it should have been, you know, I mean, this was a man who, who knew his values and, and she was doing certain things in her life that didn't quite match his. And he gave her the ultimatum of either you conform to our family or you move out. And so as a rebellious brand new teenager, she moved out and they condoned her to get married. And as a result, she had, uh, she had two of my siblings, my older brother and my older sister. And obviously at a marriage at 14, there's, that's so young to be in a relationship, you'll find that uh, many problems arise as they did. And the marriage didn't last very long and ultimately ended in divorce. Um, I'm, I'm to the point now where I realize that mother had an attachment issue. And she doesn't say attached mm-hmm. for very long. Mm-hmm. And so not too soon after that, she attached herself to another gentleman. Call him gentleman. I didn't know him very well. Um, but uh, she married him. He was from Las Vegas. And uh, mm-hmm. this is where the pattern of addiction and, and I'm going to say abuse kind of started. Um, being so young and needing to have a father figure in uh, her children's life, she married this gentleman from Las Vegas, and and even that marriage didn't last very long. He was addicted to alcohol and gambling, and it didn't last very long at all, the product of which now I have a another older sister. And so, again, with all that kind of turmoil and, and, uh, and problems in the marriage, it ended in divorce. Mm-hmm. Following that, I think she was age 23 when she met my father. And she met my father um, at a bar. And uh, from what I've gathered, and this is a story that has kind of come to, I guess, fruition here 
you know, a couple mm-hmm. months ago, about a couple years ago. Um, she never mm-hmm. married my father, uh, but they were in a relationship, and uh, I was the product. Mm-hmm. We, I was actually born in North Dakota, Grand Forks, North Dakota, and everyone asked me about mm-hmm. that place, but I was too young to remember. All I know is it's really cold mm-hmm. <laughs> out there. Um, and he was a very abusive man, too, an alcoholic. He was in the military, and uh, one night in the depths of winter after being... Uh, abused and neglected. She packed all of us kids up and I was just an infant. She moved us back here to Utah. And that became a life of, of moving quite frequently, you know, from house to house, from place to place. I counted by the time I was 18, moving a total of about 23 times, wow. which is unstable, very unstable. You think? Yeah, it is. <laughs> to me, it was normal. To me, it was normal not to unpack boxes or to... Um, make friends or anything because we'd be leaving soon. Because you never so, stayed very long. <laughs> we anywhere. never stayed very long. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In the middle of that, we landed up ourselves, our family up in Draper, and we lived on a wrecking yard. And what a wrecking yard is, is a place where old cars are disposed of so people can come and pull parts off for their cars. And she married another gentleman by the name of Paul. Oh. No offense taken. <laughs> no offense. Um, this man, he was, uh, he was very abusive to, to me and my, my siblings. And uh, at this point, I was in kindergarten. And uh, being bounced around so much, uh, it, going to school was difficult. This school was difficult for me because I never landed yeah, very long. Yeah. But this was kindergarten. So it was kind of the, the kickoff of, of education. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I realized is that when I came home from school, because you know, kindergarten's a half day, um, I'd come home to to Paul, who had been drinking all day, and what he would do instead of instead of being you know, my caregiver, he would actually detain me and lock me in the basement and wait till my mom or her siblings got home because he didn't want to watch me. And wow. so this began a, a cycle of abuse that I I endured, and I remember you know being being hit and being stuffed in corners and drugged downstairs and being very very afraid of this man. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when mom would come home and I would try to explain to her what had happened, of course, it's, you know, the, the imagination of a five-year-old and she didn't want to believe it. Therefore, a lot of my calls for help went unanswered. Mm-hmm. And so it was really kind of a struggle. Um, and, uh, you know, physical abuse to, to me and to my siblings and thank heavens, uh, he got himself into some, some pretty interesting dealings with the law and ended up being, uh, arrested and put in, in jail for, for, you know, doing all kinds of illegal activities at the wrecking yard. And, and subsequently that marriage ended in a divorce. Thank heavens. You know, she got down to that. Mm. Um, but what I learned back then was, is that you, you don't need to, you can hide your feelings, you can hide your pain. And as long as you wear a smile and don't show anything, you're going to be okay. You know, no one asks any questions. Well, you know, being a, a young little man there and, and growing up, our, we got, we got to a lot of different problems, a lot of different situations. Um, that led to worse problems as a teenager. Mm. And that's still coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for that introduction, Blue. We'll be right back in just a minute. Raising kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences we can have in life. Your children didn't come with an owner's manual, so it's up to you to learn whatever will assist you in your role as a mom or a dad. Join me and my husband, Dr. Paul, for a free weekly discussion about all of the hot topics in parenting. Listen to what others are saying about these calls. By applying the things I've learned to the parental power calls, I'm finally becoming the mom I always thought I would be. I really like to use parental power as kind of like a reference book 
So as I have concerns with my parenting, I like to be able to look up on the blog and then listen to whatever podcast seems closely related. So I like the variety of, of topics, the variety of age groups that are addressed. I'm on the parental power calls as often as I possibly can because I know I'm going to come away with something I can apply to being a parent that very day. Let us join your parenting team through parental power. Just send an email to Dr. Paul at liveonpurposeradio.com to register for the live calls. Or just check us out first through the link at drpaul.org. All of the previous calls are posted on our blog site, where you can also add your own input. Let's team up to start parenting on purpose. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hidden messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Okay, Blue, I've been trying to keep track here, and I'm not sure just how many relationships your mother was in and out of mm-hmm. during your early childhood. You, you took us up in the first segment. You took us up through kindergarten, mm-hmm. and I think we're already up to four. Yeah, we're up, we're up to, well, yeah, up to four. Something like that, and you mm-hmm. were moving in and out of places. Um, your mother was with this person who was really... Struggling with some addictions of his own, with mm-hmm. some some abuse issues, obviously. Yes. And I'm just picturing you as a little five-year-old. <laughs> and, you know, I think of your kids. Yes. Who are, you've got kids that age. I do. And I can't imagine them being treated like that. Oh, me either. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine it. it. I'm a psychologist. I've yeah. heard these things a gazillion times. But it's just horrendous what some little kids have to go through. And this was your experience. This was your life. Absolutely. This was my life. Yeah. And I'd like to say it got better before, or got, you know, got, got better. But for a while there, it got even worse. Uh, yeah, so. Well, that, how much of that do you want to well, share just to lay yeah, the context? Absolutely. Maybe just to bring it up to speed. Um through uh, through adolescence was really difficult. Still, you know, moving and and uh, you know the problems of of trying to figure out who you are and where you belong in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, learning education was uh, was difficult for me. Like I said, we moved so often that it was difficult to move at least at least two times, if not more, during a given year. So mm-hmm. you bounce around from grade school to grade school, and you know each school's doing their own thing. And so you know when I left, I remember in uh, in third grade, which was pretty crucial. We were learning math in third grade, and mm-hmm. by the time we moved, they were already up into the, the heavy division, and I missed a big chunk of, of learning. 
Um, and so mm-hmm. it was really difficult for me to, to get active in school and to feel like I, I did good in school. I grew up just kind of knowing that school wasn't my thing and, you know, I'm, I'm dumb. I can't do this. This is hard. I, why, why am I not understanding this stuff? And I didn't do mm-hmm. well in school. I just didn't. And uh, by the time I got into junior high, my mother married for the fifth time. And uh, this gentleman, it was, this was the longest marriage that she had. And uh, this was a very strict gentleman who, who had his own addiction still. Um, his comfort zone was his alcohol in his garage and his shop, and that's where he'd be. But it was stable for a while. It was, this was the longest period she's been married. And I think she was married for about 14 years during this time. And so the oh, good part wow. of my, my uh, late or early teens and on uh, was with this gentleman. And at that time, didn't really look to him as a father figure. Because, you know, I, at any minute now, it could, he could be gone, you know, with mom mm-hmm. to leave. Um, yeah, but you kind of learn not to attach to these guys, absolutely. too. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and trying to figure out what a father is, that's a whole other story. Um, mm-hmm. But he was the one that was there the longest. And uh, he was the one that I, I, I changed my name Robinson to, to his last name because he was, he was there longer. And that was a great mm-hmm. time in my life. And it was kind of interesting because uh, as I went through it through teenage years, I found that I didn't need to be completely honest with them because they didn't care anyway. So if I wanted to stay out longer, I could just stay out longer. I didn't have to do anything to get permission to, 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 you know, to, mm-hmm. to go places mm-hmm. and do things because they just didn't care, you know. And so that led to a lot of, uh, a lot of bad behavior on my part, some alcohol use of my own and some, some issues that I got into that... Oh, just turn turn my stomach now to think about as a what teenager. I as a teenager, basically. absolutely, I got away with a lot of stuff, and it was back then. I kind of liked it because I was a free spirit and I could do what I wanted. You didn't want a parent back then. No, huh? not back then. Parents, yeah, they they hit you and they they're mean to you and they move you around. So oh. I kind of figured mm-hmm. out to to uh, you know to kind of do things on my own. Through all this, though, through all the unstable times I had, my oldest sister was the one that really was the caretaker for our family. And so her and I had a pretty good relationship growing up. I mean, in essence, she was the mother. But mm-hmm. by this stage of the game, she had moved out. And I was the only child, which was great because I kind of got to do whatever I wanted to. But it led me into some pretty bad, bad decisions, led me to some pretty down, down times in my life. Um, and subsequently, when, when uh, my wife and I were getting married, the very week we were getting married, they announced their divorce. And so oh. right now it's kind of a funny, interesting thing is that I carry a last name with no history now, you know, my, mm-hmm. my last name Robinson is really not attached to anybody or anything now. And that was kind of a hard thing for me to kind of wrap my mind around is that I, I took on this, this man's last name because I thought he would be there and now he's not. So mm. in actuality, it seems like I'm starting my lineage from, from ground zero right now. You're just starting from scratch. <clears throat> Absolutely. So with, with that kind of a history, um, Getting into a relationship of my own just didn't even seem possible. I dropped out of high school because school wasn't my thing and uh, was totally destined to work a, a back-breaking job, labor with my back, not with my mind, and that was what I was going to do. Well, and with all of that addiction that you had been exposed to, high risk, high risk for alcoholism, absolutely, for drug abuse, mm-hmm. and, and there was some of that going oh, yeah. on in your life at the time, too. Yes, there was. And it was... So this is what you had to look forward to, more of the same. Well, yeah. And to me, Dr. Paul, it looked normal because everyone in my life did it. Yeah. My mother, my father, my sisters, my brothers, they all were in this vicious cycle. 
you know, as, as I was growing older, my sister and her marriages, they begin to fail. She divorced. Every one of my siblings have gone down that same circle. So that's just how it's done. That's just normal to you. Yeah, it's normal. You know, I've taught several times about paradigm and, and the example of the glasses, you put on a pair of glasses and the lenses change everything that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And the, the darndest thing about the human mind is it will adjust and adapt to whatever it's seeing and it will start to look normal to you. Mm-hmm. So you put on a pair of sunglasses, everything looks darker at first, but then after you've worn them for a while, it looks completely normal to you. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean you're right. It just means that that's what you've trained your brain to accept as normal. Absolutely. And this is what had happened with all of this dysfunctional stuff of mm-hmm. your early life. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was completely normal to me. And I was ready to do that. Well, uh, I was working at a dead-end job and uh, not doing very well in my own life. And I always felt like there was something else out there. I mean, I'm not sure how I avoided legal trouble. I'm not sure how... Some of the things I got myself into didn't end up in death or extreme you know, legal mm. problems, but it didn't. And I had a wake-up call when I started realizing that some of my friends weren't making it out. And I had to take a step back and look about what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I, mm. I, I, it was really kind of interesting. I was working, I was working at a uh, distribution center where I was taking you know, uh, fabric around so people in the community would make, make, fa- make clothing and stuff. And it just didn't feel right to me. It just felt like a dead-end job. And so I actually quit that job and began working with youth at a treatment center here in, in, uh, in Provo. And uh, that's, uh, that's where I met a gentleman who kind of saw me, took me under his wing and said, there's, there's a more excellent way to be living. He saw me. Mm. And, and believe me, it was, a, it was an older man who, uh, who was very established in his own family. And he took his arm around me and he, he said, you've got a good spirit about you, you know. And uh, I didn't know what that meant. Mm. And uh, I would hide from this gentleman when he'd come and try to talk to me because he always, he always looked optimistic. You know, he, he, uh, he, he told me about good things that the world has to offer. I just couldn't see him. Um, but he took me under his wing and he said, you know, he, he kind of heard some of my story. I trusted him enough and gifted him my trust and, and told him a little bit about me. And uh, he said, There's, that's not normal. <laughs> that's very abnormal. Mm. And uh, I was living in, in lies and deceit because I didn't know who I was. And I created this false person about myself because I wanted to be something better. Instead of doing it, I, I tend to, to, you know, to, to lie about things so that uh, I could feel better about myself. And he saw through that. He said, you're, you're better than this. And he gave me that hope that, uh, that started... I'd say my return to reality, really. Mm-hmm. Or your entry to reality. <laughs> my entry to reality. Or to a new reality. You, you used an interesting phrase, Blue. You said a more excellent way, mm-hmm. which is a phrase that I am fond of as well, because there's a lot of ways to do life. Absolutely. And you were heading down a particular way, a particular path. Uh, I also noticed when you said I was living in lies and deceit because I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. And then this wise mentor entered your life at a time that you were prepared for it, and he saw you in a way that you didn't even see yourself. Absolutely. And started to instill some hope in this still young mind. Mm -hmm. You're still young. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Don't worry, that changes. And, and that inspired you to start doing things differently. It did. And I'll tell you what it was. I went to his house, and I saw on his wall the picture of his family, and they all looked alike. 
they all looked alike. And it was amazing to me that, uh, that they all had the same color hair, the same, the same kind of facial features. A family thought, resemblance. Wow, a family, a nuclear family. This is what it is. Absolutely. I'd never seen that before. My family was very <laughs> the opposite of that. A lot of diversity in There's your family. There's a lot of diversity in my family, absolutely. And they all have the same last name, which I thought was interesting. I didn't know that, that people huh. actually did that. <laughs> what do you know? How about that? Wow, so this just opened your eyes to there's another way to live life. Uh-huh. How did you come to believe that you could do that? You know, it was interesting. Um, a lot of it was through uh, spirituality and, and a purpose. Mm. And that's why I think your, the title of your program, Living on Purpose, is very true in my world. So there was an awakening lately to your own purpose, but also a spiritual, a spiritual realization that there's more to life. That's right. We'll be right back. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Keeping a professional edge can have a price. Looking your best can have an even bigger price as dry cleaning bills find their way to your mailbox. One Japanese company has decided to focus on the problem and has produced a rather unique solution. Konaka, a Japanese clothing retailer, has recently launched a successful innovation that has white-collar workers rushing to their stores. They call the invention Shower Clean. Shower Clean is a specially crafted wool fabric that can be washed in the shower. It only takes two hours to air dry and is ready to go again without any wrinkles and does not need to be ironed. The fabric is made of real Australian wool and has a special blend of protective materials that keeps it from losing its shape and absorbing unwanted germs and grime. Their first product is a full two-piece men's suit. No dry cleaning, no ironing, no washing machines. Congratulations Konaka for your suitable idea. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com with the World of Ideas Report. Idea. Wouldn't you like to know? You probably can't bear it, so I guess I'll have to share it. I thought of it a moment. Management is efficiency in climbing the ladder of success. Leadership determines whether the ladder is leaning against the right wall. Stephen R. Covey. <laughs> Okay, so I listened to this story, and you weren't supposed to turn out like this. Uh-uh. Nope. Now, like this, our listeners have no idea what your life is like mm-hmm. right now. We've just kind of given them the background. Right. Here in the studio with us is your lovely wife, Marissa. That's right. She's waving, everyone. And we don't have her on a mic, but we could pull her over to one if we wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> You're married... You've got three beautiful children. Mm-hmm. You live in Dr. Paul's neighborhood. Yes. 
which is kind of fun. It is. You're just over one. the back fence there. That's right. Tell us a little bit about your life now, and then we're going to fill in some of the holes for how you got to where you are, because you weren't supposed to turn out like this. No, no. And you're not done yet, by the way. Yeah. Like you said, I'm still young, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, right now, um, I've actually, I'm actually stable. I have my own home, which is great. I have three beautiful children, which is, which is just amazing to me to watch them grow. And, and like you said, to look into your own children's eyes and to have them experience what you went through. Oh, what a heartbreak that would be to me. I have a hard time telling them no for crying out loud. You know, you get those puppy dog eyes and you can't, you can't mm-hmm. tell them no, let alone, I can't imagine striking one of them. Or, mm-hmm. or you know, locking them away and, and, you know, making them feel scared. I can't even fathom that, mm-hmm. you know, to treat a child that way. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that's, that's where it starts to kind of hurt a little bit, that someone could see me and my siblings and do that. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. But I do. We have, we have three beautiful children. Our marriage is strong. We are definitely, we, we have learned to love one another and we've learned to, to know how to love. She's really. nodding, by the way. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm a firm believer, Dr. Paul, that everyone goes through three stages of love. And the first one is falling in love where there's that initial attraction. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, you know, that's, that, that's that romance where you just want to spend all the time with that person. That's mm-hmm. that falling in love. It's a great feeling. My mother, unfortunately, always stay, stayed put in stage number two, which is falling out of love. And it doesn't matter if it's going to be a month, two months, or 10 years, or 50 years. People that fall out of love drift apart. And she never mm-hmm. attached herself to the third stage, which is, you know, learning to love and learning to be loved. She never made it that far. And it's a great stage to be in, learning how to love, mm-hmm. but learning how to be loved, which was difficult for me. Very difficult. Mm-hmm. That, and I imagine it was mm-hmm. with, with some of the background that you had. But isn't that the beauty of this whole story? Absolutely. That your background, your context, or your history, it just doesn't matter as much as you think it does. That's, that's very true. People are always using that as an excuse. You probably hear this in your work. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't help it. I, I, I was brought up this way, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's just not true. You can take whatever your life is. You know, one of the, one of the themes that I've really enjoyed uh, the last year or so especially is that your mess becomes your message. Absolutely. Take whatever this pile of stuff is in your <laughs> life and create a powerful message from it. Mm-hmm. So having gone through this, Blue, talk a little bit about that message. What is it that people can learn from your experience that they might be able to apply to their own? The, the one thing you have absolute control over is your attitude towards whatever comes into your life. You can look at, at, a, at a certain situation that, that you feel is, is unjust or unright or, or painful, and you can attach something to it that, uh, that will really bring you down or something that will make you stronger, the essence of which is to forgive, which is difficult to do when you've been drugged through the mud as a kid and you have every, world in, every reason in the world to, to be angry and frustrated and sad and hurt. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, me holding grudges against anything that happened to me through the people that harmed me to my own mother is not doing me any good. If, mm-hmm. if I attach that and I held on to that, it would make my family miserable because I would be miserable. I have to take care of myself mm. first and start producing something in my life so that the people around me will, will be able to tolerate me for crying out loud. So you've just touched on one of my favorite subjects, and that is forgiveness. <laughs> oh, yes. And just from a clinical perspective, 
I see people getting trapped in grievances where they hold in their heart or in their mind some kind of a grievance for someone who has hurt them, and they have legitimately been hurt. Mm-hmm. And so they feel entitled to this grievance somehow. Oh, absolutely. I did. You've had some powerful experiences where you've been able to just let go of some of those. One of the most, one of the most difficult things in my adulthood was when I met my biological father about almost three years ago now at the funeral of my grandmother, whom I never knew. A phone call out of the blue saying, is this Blue Robinson? Yes. Your grandmother passed away. Okay. And you're thinking, I have, I have a, a grandmother? grandmother? What? Yeah. And she's, you know, she identified her as my aunt. And, and I'd kind of known the names and the faces and stuff. But I, I, you know, for the longest time, I didn't know who this man was. And as a child, going through everything I did, I always had this false attachment to a father of, of maybe he'll be here today to pick me up. And maybe my father will, will, is, a, is a millionaire and he's going to come rescue me from this. And, just you know, fantasies. it's a fantasy. And, and what mm-hmm. you realize over time as he does, never shows up, that, that fantasy turns into anger and hatred. And I grew up with that, and that hatred and that anger helped fuel the fire of my youth, and you know, it helped motivate me into the addictions and the lies and the harm that's creating to myself. And now, all of a sudden, as an adult, I get to go meet this person, you know, and I'm asked to mm. to be a pallbearer to a grandmother I never knew, and so I accepted, you know, and then I went and told my mm-hmm. wife, "Hey, guess what?" She lo- she loved to hear my stories because everything things just seem to pop up every once in a while. And she's like, I, I, she's heard everything. I can't shock her anymore. <laughs> but I remember walking into this funeral home and uh, people approaching me, relatives that I've never seen. You know, I'm your aunt so-and-so. I'm your uncle this. I'm your uncle that. And I remember holding my own two children in my arms, you know, shielding myself from these people. And it was kind of a, I think it was a defense thing. I didn't realize I was doing it until later. The, the crowd kind of splits and there's this, this man standing in front of me. And my intent was to kind of tell him where I, th- I thought he should go. Uh, <laughs> right there at grandma's funeral. Yeah. And uh, I put my, my children down. I walked over to him and I extended my hand and shook it. And I said, it's good to meet you. And that was it. That was it. After all that anger, pain, and frustration I had growing up, all I could muster up was, it's good to meet you. I'd, I'd let go. Mm-hmm. I'd let go of all that. And, and it that surprised you too. It did. It surprised me. It, it totally did. It was so liberating. It was so, it was so empowering that uh, I could have taken on the world then. I could have run a million marathons. I could have done mm-hmm. anything that day because I let go of something that cost me so much grief. It was gone. And it was only hurting you. It was. It was only hurting me. He was off doing whatever he was doing. Absolutely. Still is. You know, and, and he still is. And the thing is, is he offered to be a part of my life. But the great thing is, is that I'm a father now and I have my own family to take care of. And I don't want to be like that. And so I guess that the biggest part for me was thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, I appreciate you. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, that you, you know, for whatever he for, did for, for you, he did for me. I'm glad. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm okay. I'm all right. I, I don't. I don't need that. You know. I'm. I'm good. Thank you. But it was liberating. It was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had. And since then, you've been able to move forward with even increased power. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And here you are helping others as as you uh, have taken on the kind of employment that puts you right in front of kids who are going through the same things you went through it in is. so many ways. It is. The hardest thing to do is to forgive those who've harmed you because you want them to feel as bad as you do. And when I realized that this man and my father wasn't on crutches and in a wheelchair and hurt himself, you know, mm-hmm. I realized that, what am I doing? 
You know, why, why am I holding on to this? Even even the stepfathers that have harmed me and hurt me in the past, I can't do anything about that. I can't change that. You know, I don't. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done with that. It's it's time to grow. It's time to to move forward. I'm I'm done with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You use the word liberating, mm-hmm. and I I see so many who are captive. You know, who are just stuck by those grievances that they're hanging on to, and and they feel so justified in having that anger and that animosity in their heart, totally, and in their soul, and and it just eats away at them. It does, it does, and it, it will absolutely get you nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, is those people don't, they don't, they'll never know what they put you through. They'll never know. Mm-hmm. You know, we we that that choose not to forgive, we are in this constant cycle of of, of self harm, that soul hurting kind of pain, that absolutely will keep you stuck. And it's not easy to let go of that stuff, especially when you feel so justified in having that. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's not easy, but it is possible. It's very possible. Which even surprised you when it came to it. It did. I mean, it, after all those years, I'm glad to meet you. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, absolutely, it was. What a great I surprised story, myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of funny because we don't always see it as a choice. Sometimes it's easier to see the other way around. Mm-hmm. And if I were to challenge you, okay, I want to, I'm going to give you 30 minutes. Okay, I want you to go out there into the world and find some way to make your life worse. <laughs> <laughs> now, that sounds ridiculous yeah. because you can think of a gazillion ways and it's not going to take 30 minutes. That's right. You could do that by choice. And yet sometimes when we experience misery in life, we're so busy blaming something or someone else for where we are, we don't see it as a choice that we could literally choose to step out of that into a more excellent way. Absolutely. We'll wrap this up on our next segment. Thank you for joining me for the Live On Purpose radio podcast. It is truly an honor to be a part of your prosperity team. Please visit my website, drpaul.org, to get connected with other tools for you and your family. There you will find links to my weekly e-zine, Empower. Harnessing the Power of the Mind, and to the free Parental Power Teleconference that I host every week with my wife, Vicki. You can also check out upcoming events or pick up powerful information products. Feel free to contact me directly with questions, comments, or to book me for your company or private event. Email me through drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com. In today's world, people have become much more conscious of their health and wellness. Finding new and effective ways to combat the effects of disease, aging, and poor nutrition is more important than it has ever been as we look to improve our own life and the lives of those we love. Kayani is a rapidly growing nutritional supplement company that is marketing in over 20 countries. Kayani's products combine the nutritional benefits of well-known superfruits with Nobel Prize winning research and breakthrough science. Not only does Kayani help to improve the health and wellness of families, But through the amazing business opportunity that it offers, people like me have been able to create financial freedom. Kayani has the power to change your life, regardless of where you are or what your needs may be. Whether you are new to the network marketing industry or a seasoned veteran, you will find that Kayani has what you've been looking for. 
a well-financed, growing company with proven management to generate immediate income and the potential to allow normal people to succeed if they are willing to put in the time and effort. Kayani is a proud sponsor of Live On Purpose Radio. To learn more or to join our exciting team, please visit liveonpurpose.mykayanilife.com. That's liveonpurpose.mykayanilife.com. Welcome back. We got one more segment here to wrap this up, Lou. And I was thinking, there's so many directions we can go with this. To me, the powerful part of your story is that that you have this story, and who doesn't? Right. Everybody's got a story, but the beginning of the story does not dictate the end. Mm-mm. And as a little kid. You did not have the power to change much about your world. You didn't have the power to change what your mother was doing with her relationships. You did not have the power to change what your stepfather was doing in his treatment toward you. Mm-hmm. You just didn't have that power. Mm-mm. And I was joking earlier and kind of teasing you a little bit with, well, you know, it's hopeless then. Right. That your life is toast because of this. Mm-hmm. And here you are with a beautiful life. Mm-hmm. Your family, your children, your, your purpose. And I've gotten to know you well enough to know that you have a purpose and that you live life to the fullest. And you're still working on it, too. Absolutely. Which is just a beautiful life. <laughs> I agree. It's a more excellent way. I agree. What do you have to say to those who would say, either to you or to a child or to anyone else, that their life has to be a certain way because of their background? I would say life is what you make it, not what others make it for you. And that's an important concept to think about when so much can go wrong, so much outside influence can determine how you're going to live your days, your life's you just you just don't need to take no for an answer. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are so many people in my life that told me, no, you can't do this. No, you will not do this. I mean, I was told as recently as, you know, three or four years ago when I graduated my my bachelor's degree that I would not be able to go on for a master's degree, that it was, wouldn't be possible. And uh, they actually made me write a letter saying I wouldn't pursue my master's degree because of a class that they allowed me not to take because of a learning disability. And uh, I didn't take no for an answer. You know, I found a college mm-hmm. that would accept that. And they said, by all means, everything else is fantastic. doesn't matter. You can't you know, do a complicated math problem. <laughs> You're not going to go mm-hmm. into a rocket science degree. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much of me finding ways around the rules as much as it was having someone hear me and listen to what Mm -hmm. I needed to accomplish. Um, Life is what you make it. It doesn't, it is not determined uh, upon your background, upon, you know, how you were raised. I come from extreme poverty. It's, it's interesting up until a few years ago, there was a can of, of tomato juice in our, in our fridge and it followed us after uh, when we moved from our house in Payson to Orem and it sat there on the fridge for, for years 
And Marissa picked this can up and says, what is this doing here? And it hit me why I carried this can of tomato juices. Because to me, that was the meal in and of itself. As a child coming from extreme poverty, as long as we had a can of of, uh, tomato juice, we could make spaghetti. (laughs) Uh. And so I realized that as I opened the fridge and see all this this food in there, and I realized that I don't need that can anymore. I'm not poor. (laughs) I can Mm -hmm. afford spaghetti and sauce and these things. Um, It kind of hit me that that life I I lived is over. I'm a completely Mm -hmm. new person because I chose to rise above what my environment had given me to make myself stronger, to make myself better. Mm -hmm. And it was a personal choice, you know, and the best thing about it was my wife didn't come into the relationship trying to fix me. She allowed me to fix myself. Like I told you Mm -hmm. at the very beginning Mm -hmm. when uh, my, my therapist asked me, Blue, you don't have no idea who you are. That was a rhetorical question. I went home to her when we were dating, and I said, that's a dumb question. No one knows who they are. And she says, well, I do. I said, oh, yeah, prove it. Who are you? And for the next 45 minutes, she proceeded to tell me who she was. And I just sat there kind of stunned like, you know, you know, not only is she a sister, but she's, she's, a, she's, an, she's an educator, she's a professional, she's a recreational therapist, she, she's caring. And I just sat there she's with an my athlete. Mom. She's an athlete, yeah. I was just amazed that people had that. And she got there because she did it for herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another aha moment for you. Absolutely. Because you realized, wait a minute, the way I'm seeing the world isn't the mm-hmm. only way to see this world? Absolutely. You mean there's people out there who really have a life? Yep. And they understand it? Absolutely. Wow. So you don't need permission from anyone. You don't. You can absolutely choose your course and you can make of your life whatever you choose. I agree. Yes. Is that your message, Blue? That is. That totally is. You know, and now my gift to my my children is to not let them know the pain that I went through. To cut to tell them so that they understand what their father's done so that they in turn can realize the strength they have within. Mm-hmm. I look forward to those days where I can walk with my, my children as they grow and be able to teach them, you know, some of the, some of the more difficult things that life has to offer and just show them that, you know, life is what you make it kids, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to be. It just takes that first step. You don't need mm-hmm. to see the whole, the whole marathon course to get to the end. You just put one foot in front of the other. And you just go. And I can't wait to share that with them, uh, to inspire them, to give them something better than I had. You know, I had great, Dr. Paul, I had great examples of fathers. I really did. You know, and it's kind of hard for me to say that. I went through many stepfathers and they showed me lots of pain. And so what I realized is that they were great teachers. And what I've done is the exact opposite of what they taught me. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm, I think I'm a great father. You know, and that's... That's an important realization. Mm-hmm. Instead of having animosity and grievances and anger, just take a look at what you were able to learn. Oh yeah, from that. And even if it's not nothing more than a firm resolve to not to, <laughs> to not to. Absolutely, <laughs> your kids watch that movie too, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. That's <laughs> <laughs> a little reference from Cars, mm-hmm. the Disney Pixar film. And and you can learn what to not to do. Absolutely. Uh, by just opening your eyes and, and uh, allowing the experiences that you have in your life to sink in at some level. And then resolving to choose a more excellent way. That's true. That's and to create true. that. 
Absolutely. And and I think that is what, what this life is all about, is to continue to grow and to forgive. You know, I, w- I would hate to, to be an old man and look back at my life and think, oh, you know, the pain I've experienced. I once heard that the, that one person has the power to change 70,000 lives. At that rate, it would take 8,000 people to change the world. And that message I want to carry to those people that I may help change is one of, of success and, and, you know, and, and wonder and greatness, not misery and despair. I want to mm-hmm. teach people. I want to, to inspire people to, to let go and to, you know, to see the good in things. You know what, Blue, I'm realizing as you're sharing that, that that's what you're doing. That's, and that's what we're about today at Live On Purpose Radio. Mm-hmm. I am grateful that you had that experience. <laughs> and that might sound a little weird. No. no I didn't no. have the same experience you did. I had my own. Uh-huh. But I'm grateful that you had it and that you're willing to share it. Because how many people out there are just wondering if there's any hope? Mm-hmm. And in hearing what you've done with your life, oh... So wait a minute. So my life doesn't have to stink? My life doesn't have to be terrible and miserable? Mm -hmm. I can choose to make something better out of this. And I know I can because, well, look, Blue Robinson did it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's absolutely right. And it's funny looking back at it now and seeing how how far I've come and still how much I still have to do. Mm -hmm. It's not over yet. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. So what's next for you? Kat, I don't know if my wife can handle much more coming down the pipeline. <laughs> We've had so many experiences together, and she's been able to see some of this that uh, I'm sure she's ready for a time of peace. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you what, raising those kids is going to be an adventure in and of itself. It's fun. I enjoy it. But what an inspiration to know that uh, that there is a better way, and you're providing that for your family and for your kids. And I want to encourage all of our listeners, no matter what your story is, to realize that you have a choice to make of your life whatever you choose to make of it. And it doesn't have to depend on your history or your background or your circumstances or your context. Mm -hmm. You are free to choose that. We've got just a few seconds here to wrap up, and I want to give you the last word. (laughs) What is it that you want to leave our listeners with today? Oh, just just don't give up. Don't give up when you're when you're stuck, when you're alone and you feel that the world's against you. Just know that there's there's that heart inside, that 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 love that every human being possesses that they're able to to produce even the smallest flicker of hope that will then turn into the raging flame of success as long as you stay focused and as long as you care enough about yourself to improve yourself. To to just look forward. Forget the past. I mean, you can't go back and change it. Everyone knows that but to let go and to move forward. That's pretty much uh, all you, we can ask in this life. Mm. Well said. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Blue. Thanks for joining us My at pleasure. Live on Purpose Radio today. Mm-hmm. Everybody go out there, take what you've learned today, and live on purpose. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>